Digital acceleration is here. Health systems are walking the path, but are they in the right direction? Welcome to Patient Journey Pioneers, roadmaps from the top digital leaders in healthcare who share insights and strategies that are pushing the patient journey to new heights. This podcast is brought to you by Hiro, and I'm your host, Liat Kozuch. To another episode of Patient Journey Pioneers. Today we'll be pioneered by Graham Gradner, co-founder and CEO of Kairos, that now serves over 300,000 providers across 700 hospitals and 80 million members across 60 health plans. Is that right, Graham? Still today? It's actually a little bit more even up there. We're about 800 hospitals now. We have about 500 independent medical groups as well, um, and about 90 million members now uh, in, in about 100 different health plan brands. So we continue to grow. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, hopefully next year when you're back, you'll be able to up those numbers again. Even more. That's right. We're crossing our fingers for you. So, Graham, you have quite an extensive past prior to Kairos, including co-founding Generation Health, where you served as Chief Medical Officer through its acquisition by CBS Caremark. You're a Harvard grad, which makes me very proud, and an advisor to the Innovation and Digital Health Accelerator at Boston Children's Hospital. So we have a lot to cover today, but first, give us a quick overview of your journey in healthcare, which will then help us understand your idea behind Kairos as well. Terrific. Yeah, happy to. And, and uh, first of all, thank you for having me on as well. Um, so, Liad, I, you know, I was fortunate to uh, be born to a, a family that really impressed on my brothers and I how important it was to, to give back and, and to make the world a better place. Um, we're also in the healthcare uh, business as well. My, my father is in the pharmaceutical industry. And so it was I think, very easy for me to make a connection between being a doctor and being able to kind of give back and, and help people. And so I was one of these kids that, you know, at the age of eight years old, declared I was going to be a doctor, you know, when I, when I grew up. But, um, but I think having the pharmaceutical industry around the dinner table as well also exposed me to the fact that healthcare was broader than just practicing medicine and that there were multiple ways you could give back. And I think I suspected all along at some point, I probably would wander out of clinical practice and, and do something at the intersection of, of healthcare and technology. I was really drawn to things and, and impact at, at scale. Um, but I, I love medicine, I love cardiology. It's obviously you know, a privilege to take care of people's uh, lives. And, and it was also a wonderful learning curve as you're training and getting exposed to more and more and, and, and learning. Um, but as I finished up training, uh, I was very lucky in that my, my father had just retired from Merck where he was and actually became an entrepreneur very late in life. And so I, now at the age of 30, was exposed to this whole you know idea of entrepreneurship and venture capital. And that really became um, the spark for me to take the technical training I developed and go you know help to start things and, and apply that you know, into the world of business. So uh, I did that via business school. Um, I joined a venture capital firm, uh, Highland, um, where I had wonderful exposure to a bunch of innovative folks, learned how to, to begin to build business. Uh, but realized that during that process that I kept getting to be on the other side of the table. I wanted to actually go build things. And Highland was super good to me. Um, said, hey, why don't you take the pot of gold then, you know, go out and, and help us create companies. Um, so the first one, as you alluded to, was a company called Generation Health um, that we got very lucky um, and, and got acquired by CBS Caremark. But it really confirmed for me I loved being on the operating side, building product. Uh, and actually, I learned and, and enjoyed selling actually, which which was something I never would have would have guessed. Um, so uh, we sold that. Um, uh, I ended up hiring my replacement there. Came back into Highland and began to think about what to do next. And uh, in the 2010 time period was a really interesting one in, in healthcare. Um, first of all, uh, healthcare data was becoming more liquid, right? The EMRs were in, things were getting digitized. There was just more movement of, of data. It was still very messy, it still is very messy, uh, but, but there was at least some liquidity to it. 
you had technologies like Hadoop and, and big data beginning to move into healthcare from other industries. So this ability to process information like never before was there. Uh, and the third piece of the puzzle here was Obamacare itself, right? And and if we were going to take this the healthcare industry on a journey from fee for service to fee for value, we actually needed to understand healthcare data in a way like never before. Who is actually good at doing certain kinds of things, and what is you know high value care, things like that. And so uh, around that time, uh, I saw the movie Moneyball. And, and uh, you know, I'd been raised with this worldview that we're all different. We're all beautiful in our own way. We all have our relative strengths and weaknesses. And uh, what Moneyball had embraced was this philosophy that, look, there's, there's not necessarily good or bad ballplayers. There's just people who are better in certain situations. And you could begin to use data to say, hey, turns out you're really good in this kind of setting. And you're really good when you're in this kind of lineup. And, and you could build a team that really embraced and played everyone's strengths. And I just thought that was a really affirming way to, to look at the world. And also realized that we doctors were a little bit like baseball players. You might stink at doing a hip operation. That's okay. The data tells you you're really good at doing knees. Could we begin to do money ball for doctors and, and help match patients and providers in a way that really created this win-win where patients were getting to the right provider the first time, provider was practicing the top of their license, what they were really gifted at doing, and you therefore would have better healthcare outcomes. So that became really the, the founding vision for, for Kyers. Amazing. So what does Kyers do really today? If you could you know explain in a nutshell um, before we start philosophizing and talking about digital innovation and how Kairos blends into that. Yeah, yeah. So Kairos is, is a provider data management and scheduling um, solution that, that helps healthcare organizations uh, match patients to the right provider. Uh, and, I, and I use the word right very deliberately. We, we don't talk at Kairos about, hey, we'll find you the best doctor. It's really about uncovering who is the right provider, giving you the information for you to navigate you know, to, to the right provider. Um, so as, as mentioned, we we power um, uh, the provider directories and then uh, an application layer that allows a call center agent to interact with that data. The patient themselves can self-schedule on, online uh, or the referring provider can all now have access to that information and, and get uh, someone to the right uh, in-network care. Uh, but over the last few years, we've also begun to think more expansively beyond that. So, hey, to the extent that patients are starting their search for care in any number of different locations on the local health plan, well, let's publish that information and also have that scheduling be accessible there. They might go to a search engine. They might use a digital health app. How can Kairos really help support the industry by, by having that information be available and allowing patients to, to get in and seek the right care for themselves? And, and there's really, I think, two elements to that. First is having enough information that... Um, you're able to 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 provide the the patient you know what it is they're looking for. So when when we'll go into an organization, we're, we're quite literally pulling hundreds of different data elements about each provider, their name, rank, and serial number, but also their picture, their web bio, the locations, the insurances they take. Um, and so now uh, you, you you have all the information that you know someone can begin to search on, because the search is different every time. If I need a flu shot. What I really care about is that it's down the street today and it's 10 bucks. Probably doesn't need to be a doctor. If I need a bypass operation, I'm likely willing to wait longer, you know, drive further. I, I For my primary care, I may want, you know, a mother like me or someone who's a runner that, that speaks my language and takes my insurance. But in other situations, I might prioritize different things. And so, again, we don't see our, our role as saying, hey, this is the best person for you. It's here's the information you need in that moment to figure out what's what feels right for you in terms of where you want to get your care. What are some digital transformation projects that Kairos is working on today that you feel most excited about? Where I'm spending a lot of my time time today, Leah, I alluded to is, is how can Kairos begin to support a lot of the rest of the of the industry? So, you know, initially, we we're very much focused on the provider world and, and helping patients that were coming to a website or calling a call center, you know, find and, and route their way in, into the right care. But um, 
you know, we, we realize that patients start their, their journey everywhere, right? And, and so how can we uh, be out there for, for folks? And um, I think increasingly, I see an opportunity for Kairos to basically be middleware almost between some legacy technology that, you know, code was written decades ago, disorganized data that's in dozens of different silos, all labeled differently. And then a modern app experience that everyone is coming to expect from all of their other interactions, you know, in, in the industry. And I think um, what's so exciting to me about what's happened over the last 10 years is tremendous enthusiasm, momentum around digital health. Right? There's so many people who want to contribute and care and they're developing wonderful services that cater to certain populations in a virtual way or not a virtual way. But at some point, everyone has to interact with brick and mortar healthcare. And it's it's hard to interact with, right? That information sits in dozens of different styles. So just as an example, when we're pulling together those hundred different data elements, my picture is in a marketing database labeled gardener.jpg, but my specialty is in a credentialing system labeled gramsgardener, comma MD. My location is somewhere else, you know, with an MPI number. You have to be able to put all of that together. Otherwise, every digital health company is trying to go in and sort through all this data and then, you know, wire into Epic Scheduling and Athena and, you know, Cerner, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, what I, I see as an opportunity for us is if we can really be that routing platform, help organize that data one time, get efficient scheduling workflows, we can then make that available to other organizations and they can spend their calories and their time you know, really enriching their experiences with that community or whatever it is, and then just being able to access very easily the ability to get data and schedule through, through a Kairos. And so that, that's where we're spending a lot of our time is how do you think about developing and supporting that marketplace? Wow, very ambitious yet very much needed today. And what keeps you up at night when you have these goals in mind and you know you're very you're striving towards this vision that you have? What is a challenge that you're facing that folks who are listening in, CIOs, chief digital information officers, what can they learn from this challenge and how are you tackling it? Yeah, I think, you know, to, to some extent, you know, over the last 10 years, I've, I've watched the industry come up a learning curve a little bit in terms of using technology, right? Healthcare was lagging many, many other industries. Um, and I think uh, there was sometimes an underappreciation of the ability to take in best in class, integrate into the workflow instead of building it. And, and I think a lot of, you know, health systems, you know, certainly 10 years ago, built a lot of things themselves that are very, very hard uh, to maintain. Um, and so, you know, where we spend a lot of our time is, is, is quite frankly, just trying to help educate folks on some of the technology that exists, trying to work across technologies. And obviously our companies partner together seamlessly because the, the extent to which you can be a Lego piece that works really, really well with other Lego pieces, a, a CIO now can begin to say, oh, this is great. I don't, you know, they're doing the work for me of, of kind of stitching these things together. That makes my life uh, easier. Um, so we, we think a lot about that. But that I think is 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 one of the biggest challenges that, uh, there's so much out there uh, that it's hard for CIOs to understand and how to break through uh, some of the noise. I remember once uh, going to the HIMSS conference, um, you know, the big health IT conference, and just staring at the football fields, right, of, of all these vendors. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I realized, oh, my God, that, that's the inbox of a CIO. How do they possibly sort through this? So that's what I worry about the most is, is you know, how, how can we convince folks that, hey, this is, we're a really interesting tool and platform that they can then build on, integrate with other things, and really serve their, their patients uh, the best way possible. CIO's inbox, I mean, I think they even have more than a Hims football field in there. So I'm glad we can make it easier for them. So that's a segue to ask you about your current integrations. And we will take Cairo as an example because we know that Cairo and Kairos are partnering to enable healthcare organizations to enhance their conversational AI experiences. Tell us a bit about the motivation behind that. Um, not just Cairo, of course, with any partnerships that you guys have and how is it helping you out today? Yeah, Leah, I think this is 
been a part of our own personal uh, maturation too. And I, and I, I see this as I look out in, in digital health that, you know, the, the early years companies, they're very good at describing a problem. They, they found something and they, they talk a lot about the problem. Um, we, and I, and I think others then go through a phase where you, you think probably a little too expansively of everything you could do. You're like, oh, and then we could do this, and then we could do this, and then we could do this. And, and, and actually, you're actually hard to partner with because no one understands what you do and you're kind of stepping on everyone else's toes, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think at some point, you know, we, we at least got comfortable to say, look, this is what we do. You know, we're not a telemedicine provider. We're not conversational AI. We're not CRM, et cetera, et cetera. And at that point, then it actually becomes really easy to begin to say, well, who is actually best in class there and how can we best work with them? Because again, the, the, the health systems, they need this digital stack of technologies. They need their EMRs. They need CRMs. They need routing scheduling. They need chat. They need ratings and reviews, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the extent to which you can fit into something neatly where they can understand what you do and the ROI around that, but then also can find ways of, of integrating with others, that, then that's, that's best. And so we've really, um, over the last several years, I think we've developed more than 20 different partnerships um, with a lot of companies, just so again, we can be that Lego piece that, that plays well with others, if you will, and, and it makes it easier for them to select Kairos because it fits into the overall organizational strategy and tech stack as well. Do you have any dream partnerships for 2023 or 24 that would join the mix? No, no. I, I'll tell you where we're spending a lot of time is um, a lot of, again, the digital health companies that, that have, uh, have grown up over the last several years have had to do their own provider directories and are beginning, just like the hospitals, to realize this is really hard work and it's, it's not my core competency. Um, you know, is there someone that can help there? And so um, we're taking that same approach of saying, hey, you probably have a lot of data. You probably bought some, you're curating some yourself. Someone's typing in something. Let us help you begin to organize that. And once we you are organized, now we can connect you into the, the marketplace. And, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're really thinking about the, the providers and, and um other schedulable entities, right? Freestanding radiology things, mammograms, labs, uh, retail clinics, as part of the supply that people are looking to access. And then a number of different demand channels. And so, you know, payers where, you know, patients are starting their search for care and, and want to be routed. But a lot of these digital health apps now, if, if we've organized and provided you the data, you can now participate in this marketplace and, and you know, be able to route people into the, to the right thing. So um, we're, we're talking to a, a bunch of companies um, to do that. Um, let's dive into another topic, price transparency mandates that are happening in the U.S., the latest deadline was January 1st, 2023. Uh, we know that Kairos is helping their customers become compliant with these mandates. And it seems that you offer an incredible service to those organizations because you have the tech, you have the background, you have the expertise to get your data in shape and compliant, right? So tell us about the work you've done to get you there and also what's next. So I think the price transparency mandate has been a really noble effort to try to uh, make care costs more accessible to, to patients. And, and uh, you know, as, as you well know, it, it has been phased in. So last year was really about putting machine readable files in place, just organizing this data for the first time, which I'll tell you was a lot of work um, helping these organizations just find, get and standardize uh, that, that data. Um, this year is actually way more exciting because now you're actually beginning to put this in the hands of consumers. Uh, and, and there's about 500 or so conditions this year, all of them uh, next year where people really will be able to understand out-of-pocket costs for, for everything that they're, they're looking for. Um, but I think the, the approach that we're taking is that, sure, that's wonderful and that helps check the box, but that really should be a data element that's, again, part of those 100 different data elements that helps you understand what's who's the right provider for me. And, and again, sometimes it's gonna be very relevant. If there's a, a commodity type of, of care, you have a large deductible you're gonna be paying, you might very well shop based on price. 
There are going to be other situations where maybe you've already gone through your entire deductible. It's a $50,000 cancer treatment. Price may be a lot less relevant to you at that point, right? You're dealing with cancer and quite frankly, someone else is going to pay for it. But I think what, what we're excited about is to, to contextualize, to put the price in along with all these other clinical conditions, the languages, the insurances as an element that becomes really important to who's the right provider or the right kind of care for me. Long year ahead, uh, and probably more than a year. Yeah, this this will be uh, this will be several years of work to really get this all right for the industry. It really seems like you're you're helping streamline the process for those who are too busy to do so. That's right. And regarding the find a provider use case, um, what are the next steps for that as a service slash tool? You know, a lot a lot of where the the technology exists today, um, Leah, is is. Uh, helping match on a clinical condition to a, a very specific kind of, of provider. So we have an extensive library that describes every symptom, procedure, condition, every you know abbreviation, misspelling, lay terms. Right. So someone can type in you know sugar doctor or sugar blood. You know we know that's diabetes, and we can get you to a diabetologist, which is a sub branch of endocrinology, without having someone to understand you know how to navigate this this complex world. Um, and so that's a lot of where we we sit today. What I think has been so exciting about the partnership with with Hiro is that the conversational AI allows you to maybe go a step deeper. So, you know, for example, if, if I type in, you know, heart fluttering, well, that could be a lot of different things, right? If if it if you lay down the pillow at night and you feel an extra heartbeat, that's probably nothing. It's probably PVC. It's, it's very nat- normal. It's such a sign of, of a healthy heart, actually. You know, you probably follow up with your primary care doctor at some point. If that heart fluttering actually causes you to pass out and you crashed your car and your sister had you know sudden cardiac death two weeks ago, that's a very different kind of condition. We need to get you to an electrophysiologist. And so, you know, where I'm excited to, to go over the next uh, few months and years, Leah, um, is, is to begin to say how 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 can we go one layer deeper and, and really begin to help navigate people because the healthcare co- you know is very complex. And the more information, the more context we have, the better guidance we can give. Uh, I think patients are are really looking for that. I I, I worry that. Uh, one of the the downsides of digital health is, hey, we just give people a lot of information and it's on them now to, to figure this out. And I think the reality is there is information asymmetry in, in healthcare, right? People train for many, many years. Some would argue they're training their entire life. And, and I think patients, they don't treat paternalistically, but but they're, they are looking for guidance. And, and so the extent to which you can learn about them and again, help make that more informed match and get them to the right care. That to me is is really serving society. What do you think CIOs, chief transformation officers, chief digital officers should be thinking about for the rest of 2023? Um, perhaps two to three things that they should have as top of mind. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing we've, we've alluded to a number of times, which is think outside the organization, right? So that, yes, you are a destination for care, but people are starting that journey in a lot of different places. And so the CIO, you're not just thinking about your own digital properties, your own call center. It's who else is out there? Is it Google? Is it the health plan? Is it digital health apps? How do you make yourself accessible outside of those walls? And what's the technology, right, that that, that they can do that? Um, and then I think this, the second is, and again, we've, we've watched the, the industry uh, get much more thoughtful around investments in ROI, right? And, and you know, I think too often it's like, well, this doesn't cost me anything today. Well, you have 25 people working on it. So yes, it probably does cost you something. Um, so how do you think about impact that if, hey, if I'm routing people better, um, not only am I getting the pro- patient to the right provider, not only am I allowing the provider to price the top of their license, but I'm actually utilizing all my providers most efficiently, right? Instead of everybody queuing up for Dr. Famous and having a 30 week wait time, 
while the brand new doctor who does exactly the same thing, she's sitting empty. Let's actually get people to the right provider. Now, as a financially, as an organization, you're benefiting as well. So I think beginning to think about what's the technology out there? How do I invest in the right things? Uh, stitch it together where I can really have win-wins you know, across everything. So uh, Graham, when, not if, but when we have you back here in five years from now, what do you hope to be sharing with us um, professionally, personally, where you're at, where Kairos is at? Do you have any kind of long-term vision of what you hope to see? Yeah, I think I, I would love to be thought of as a real partner to the digital health industry. Um, you know, I think uh, one of our, my colleagues used to joke that uh, we'll, we'll know we're successful when, you know, someone raises a series A in, in digital health, their first phone calls to Amazon to get in the cloud and their second phone calls to Kairos to get the provider directory and the integrations, right? And I, I would love, love to do that. I think we, we really see an opportunity to support, to partner, and to, to just make it easier for folks to, to serve their, you know, particular clients and develop their solutions best. So that, that would be my my professional um, goal. And then we're seen as a really trusted marketplace, you know, for that data. Um, personally, I hope I'm still here. I, I, I you know, it's, it's funny, Leah, I, I thought early on of myself as an early stage person, like, you know, I had a million ideas, wanted to start all these companies. Um, and I, I have enjoyed every phase of Kairos more and more. And, you know, when you begin to really have scale, you know, we've been able now to, to buy and incorporate a couple of different companies and, and really stitch together something that can be really impactful. That's, that's really, really exciting. So there's, there's, there's still a couple corners I can see around this. I, I'm still super excited about what we're doing. And, and I hope I'm, I'm the one that's still here five years from now to, to talk about it. What is the best career advice you've been given and or would like to give? Um, Due to your amazing journey throughout life, your professional life, your career now with Kairos, um, something that really stands out to you. Have the courage to go for it. Uh, I, I, you know, when I sometimes talk about the early years of, of Kairos, um, we we always had this vision of you know Moneyball and 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 how we could route folks, but I I thought it was far too audacious. Like who was I to go tell health systems, you know, I could better route their providers and, and do this. And so we actually started off in a couple of other areas in some ways, use the baseball now, you know, bunting our way on like, Hey, we didn't want to be too, uh, you know, audacious and all the rest of it. And I think we, we realized after a year or so that it's hard enough to, push one ball up the hill, you can't do multiple different things. And if you're going to spend your life doing something, do something you care about and, and that, that really could be impactful and don't worry about failure. And so um, that's something I, I spend I, I two teenage boys and, and I, I spend a lot of time with them uh, talking about failure and, and, and risk taking and, and just how okay that is to, as long as you're getting back up and you have the grit to, to try again and try again, we learn a lot through failure. And I think your biggest regret is if you don't take the chance and don't take the, the risk. Um, now, again, in healthcare, there's people's lives at stake. And so this, you know, you have to be very, very thoughtful about how you take risks, but you're only going to make a difference in the world if you, if you go for it. So um, hopefully, hopefully I'll have a chance to do that. Uh, my, so I, I mentioned I have two younger brothers. Um, my middle brother is an infectious disease specialist. Uh, he runs global health at, at Indiana university. Um, but prior to coming back to the U S he'd spent seven years in Africa um, uh, managing one of their, their hospitals and, and really taking care of the sickest and, and most underprivileged. And it's been interesting in his journey coming back to the States, 
that there actually are some global health technologies that actually apply really well to population health in the U.S. And, you know, in some ways, right, what is, um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? People have had to hack things together, figure out how to deal with communities that oftentimes are afraid of, of coming in. And he's convinced there's a lot of lessons there that, that he can now translate in Indiana, um, uh, that, you know, in a, in a first world country that, that he's learned elsewhere. So, I, I, as you know, as we look for, I'm not necessarily suggesting it's Adrian, but as we look for pioneers thinking about atypical backgrounds right in global health and, and places like that could also have real contributions to be made in, in this digital world that we're thinking about great we're gonna have a gardener brother on the <laughs> podcast i'm excited we'll do a gardener you know series um of, very good um, very good i love it he's much smarter than me so <laughs> uh, thank you so much graham um this was amazing thanks for your time and uh, absolutely likewise very soon very good thanks for the time i really enjoyed it Thank you for listening to Patient Journey Pioneers brought to you by Hiro. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you on our next episode.